Hi, welcome to Totem Talks. I'm Helen Fruin. I'm Mark Smith. And today we are talking about recruitment from the perspective of the person being recruited. We are indeed. But can I just interject Mm. for two things Mm -hmm. that are quite important? Mm -hmm. Today is our 24th episode. Okay. And we have a new jingle. We do. <laughs> we do. You look so excited. I'm so excited. I thought I'd mix it up a bit. We, we, we have a new jingle. Okay. Uh, the reason why I chose a 24th episode mm-hmm. is because it's in honour of my favouritest of all television season series. Okay. Anyone who can guess why the number 24 is relevant wins a box of Jelly Babies. Not just a bag of Jelly Babies, but a box. Is it not just because it was a TV series called 24? You are the winner of a box of Jelly Babies. Yay, Jelly Babies! (laughs) And the second one is, I don't want to press this too much, just in case I get sent on another training course by HR, but you're looking good. Have you been working out or what? Well, thank you very much. Yes, I have been working out. Thank you to Joe Wicks for a very impressive food plan. I have been, yeah. You've been working on your guns. I've been working on my guns. Good job. Thank you very much. And we shall put a pin in that for later. Thank you very much. And sorry to HR. (laughs) (laughs) yes we are talking today about recruitment from the perspective of the recruitee so if you've been made redundant recently or if you are still seeking for a job or you're thinking about jumping ship and moving somewhere else or wanting to progress within your current company that is equally valid Uh, This podcast is for you, baby. For you. Yeah. And there's a few things here that we thought would be useful to talk about, given the kind of conversations that we're having with people who have been made redundant or who are looking to progress themselves. A huge piece is around personal branding Mm. and who I am, how I put myself across. And the other thing that's coming up consistently is don't just get a job because you need to pay your mortgage. Yeah. And the third thing I thought would be interesting to talk about is preparing people for the interview, the assessment centre if they go through one. Um, So there, three things for us to cover today. So let's start with personal branding. I have a lot to say about this because I think it's fundamental to how you go about just life in general. And it's also a consequence piece as well. So when we talk about personal branding, there's some interesting stuff on our website. What we're talking about is becoming known amongst your peers, your friends and your family for a specific thing or a specific set of things. So as you can well imagine, Helen is well known amongst many people for being the happy smiley one, always optimistic and always personable. That in part is um, just part of your personality makeup. Part of that is intentional and I'm known as the grumpy one. Part (laughs) of that is just the way I am. Part of that is actually intentional. Sometimes we do have to play the good cop, bad cop role. And so over the years, as we've you know navigated the world of business, it's been quite important for us to distinguish ourselves from one another, to have some alignment there, but to also say, well, actually, when this specific thing needs doing, I'm going to send in this specific type of personality, this, this person who has branded themselves as a numbers-orientated uh, asked difficult questions. It's very comfortable to sit in a room full of people with a frowny face and say, oh, "I don't think so, actually." That that's my that's my brand, effectively. Um, when I'm interacting with people, I'm not that aggressive with it or that grumpy. But again, that is a personal choice. And so, for anyone who is listening currently and is thinking about what to do next, 
I just I'd really challenge you to consider what it is you think you're known for and what it is you want to be known for mm. and we often talk about developing a the elevator pitch mm-hmm. you're in a lift with somebody who's quite influential you've got 30 seconds to convince them of either a who you are or b what it is you're trying to achieve it's quite an important thing within business to have your elevator pitch down um, so consider those things and also begin to move those into intentional actions on your part mm. it could just be something simple like changing your email footer to be some to be a little bit more playful or to be a bit more reflective of who you are it could be tailoring your language it could be unlearning some some micro behaviors that you have mm. um, but it's a really powerful tool to distinguish yourself from other people within the organization um, so I'd encourage people to, mm. to really think about their own personal brand. And I want to emphasise two questions that you asked there. What do you think you're already known for and what do you want to be known for? Because a lot of people will say, well, I don't really get what a brand is. I don't know how I need to develop my brand. If you can answer those two questions, that is your brand. What you yeah. are known for, what pe- people are talking about you behind your back. Yeah. That is a fact. What are they saying about yeah. you and what would you like them to be saying about you? That is your brand. And so if you can say, well, what I want them to say about me is X, Y, Z, what are you doing so that they're likely to be saying that about you? How are you building that perception? That is your brand. Yeah. And again, as always, self-awareness, everybody is the key. Uh, I should get paid every time I say that. Secondly, though, and this is really links to self-awareness, is don't apply for jobs that you don't want to do. There is a tendency, right, for us to say, but I've got to pay my mortgage. Mm. I've got kids. I've got to get food on the table. I need to get a job. And to sit here, you know, it sounds a bit ivory tower and detached to say, oh, no, that's not so important. Make sure you get a job you actually want to do and will stick at and do well at. Mm -hmm. But it is, you know, if you do literally get a job because you feel desperate to pay the mortgage, you're going to end up letting yourself down being miserable, letting down the company that you've just joined. Do, do you want that? Yeah. And I, 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 I understand the tension within mm. that. You know, there's, I think, for, for me, where it comes where it comes down to is whenever you read or you come across an inspirational story, mm. it's not someone who chose to just graft it out and be miserable. It's always someone who took the leap, mm. who made the extraordinary choice. And what I find fascinating is having made a few extraordinary choices in my time, I, I often read books. I mean, Eat, Pray, Love is, uh, I'm going to get absolutely chewed on social media for this, but Eat, Pray, Love is a very influential book. I look at the choices that lady made and think, well, no biggie. She left the husband, well done. She went traveling, well done. It, these things are not big in my mind. Mm. They are for her. So it's always context specific. So if you have someone in, let's say, a, 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 a blue collar role and they're looking at, you know, do I want to be a dustbinman or do I want to be a carpenter? The dustbinman route is definitely going to pay the mortgage. Mm. No doubt about it. I would say that you're going to struggle in that position for any kind of career progression or anything like that. The carpenter role, you, you, your income's a lot less secure. But I know a lot of carpenters, they love their work. They love getting their hands covered in splinters and wood glue and all kinds of things. The golden handcuffs issue, isn't absolutely, it? Yeah, the absolutely. The job security yeah. takes over. And it's just worth challenging. I mean, I actually had a coaching conversation with somebody just yesterday about this who's considering setting up her own business. 
And the Tim Ferriss fear setting exercise has been life changing for so many of our clients. And it's this question, what is the cost of doing nothing? So we've talked about all of her fears. What if I can't earn enough money? What if I get pregnant? What if I get sick? I haven't got any of that safety net if I run my own business. All really valid fears and concerns. So we've run through all of those. We've talked about how could you mitigate against those things becoming reality? What could you do to adjust if those things do become reality? And that all feels very logical. And then I ask her, what's the cost of doing nothing? What's the consequence of staying in a job that you don't love and not setting up your own business? And she started to cry. Mm. She said it would mean living a life that is the opposite of what I believe in. Yeah. It's a, yeah, you, it's you, you're choosing incredible. an ordinary life. And, and I, you know, I get the fit. I mean, you know, I think some of the more difficult things I've had to do in order to make those, I mean, those choices I've made, I have had to distance myself from family and friends. Mm. Um, the, the friends piece in particular, because they came from a very different background to the one I'm currently finding myself in. And the idea that you could be self-employed mm. and not have a regular income and that I'm not interested in a mortgage and I have interests outside of my mm. you know, immediate family. And to clarify, this podcast is not to say that everybody should go and start a business. Yeah, or, the, or ostracize their family from their lives. Right, the message is to say that uh, the tension or the uh, anxiety and pressure that we often get from those around us is to go get a job, to just pay the mortgage, to just do what's expected and to recognize that there are consequences of that. And yeah. if, you, if you're happy with those consequences, you make that choice, that's your choice. Recognizing that there is a different way where you could go and get a job that you actually are passionate about. And then because you're passionate about it, that's going to come across in the interview. You're much yeah. more likely to get the job. Uh, you know, so many of our employers, when we're talking about the recruitment from their perspective... You know, it feels like sometimes people are faking it in interviews, like they're just trying to get the job as opposed to really wanting the job or being suited to the job. And we know that's true because we tend to apply for jobs and just want to get them. Let's challenge ourselves. Is this really the right job for me? Is this really the right business for me? Yeah. Don't be afraid if the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Third on your list. Is about being prepared for the recruitment process. Obviously, we can't tell you what the recruitment process will be. It depends on your employer and how professional they are in this regard. Uh, But you may well be expecting to have a telephone interview, a face-to-face interview or a video interview these days, uh, or indeed some kind of assessment centre. And again, the encouragement is for you to be honest. Mm. Why try and say the right thing when it would be better for you to say the true thing And then if you don't get the job, maybe that's a good thing. Mm. That's a really controversial thing to say because we tend to go for something wanting it and then we want to get it, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I have the same thing about cars. It's really weirdly. If if I see a car on auto trade I really like and I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then I see it sold. I get like, I get like post-traumatic stress syndrome (laughs) or something weird. I'm like, oh, I missed out on that cool car. I do. I do always think about that baby blue jag that slips through my fingers but your point is absolutely right what was your point (laughs) be honest tell the truth just be honest tell the truth it's it's a really powerful thing i think also because that will come across in the interview whether you're being honest or not we Mm. we're trained professionals so we we can sniff out when someone's really not particularly engaging with the process 
Um, well, or just, you know, so a lot of people, they've, they've gone online, they've, they've done the prep in terms of how to prepare for a good interview question. So uh, let's say you get asked, uh, tell me about a time when you dealt with a difficult client. Okay, I've prepared and I've learned about the STAR acronym. So here's my difficult client and this was my role and this is what I did and the outcome was very good. Yeah. I saved the world. Uh, you can see somebody in an interview who is feeding back a kind of rehearsed script. Yeah. And so if you actually just tell a real story about that difficult client and how they were actually a right pain in the neck and how you weren't even sure what to do and then you went to someone for help and they helped you and then you were able to do this, actually just tell a real story. Mm -hmm. That's far more engaging than some rehearsed, this is what I think they want me to say script. And I think the the key within that though is um, for anyone who is applying for a job and actually wants the job, here is a top tip. when you're going through your rehearse, tell me about a time when, um, go for the emotional buttons. The people sitting in front of you are people and they can't help but react emotionally. And this is back to some of the bias talk we were talking about earlier. If you can hit the right buttons with the person in front of you, they're gonna leave that interview with the, uh, the recency effect. This is the issue. This is why I'm finding this whole conversation really uncomfortable. Oh, really? Yes, because it sounds like what we're talking about here is tactics. Mm. Uh, The the way to ace an interview is to go in and hit interviewers' emotional buttons. If we're talking about tactics, I I don't want to be doing this podcast. I don't want to publish it. I'm not comfortable at all. If we're talking about helping a genuine person who is genuinely skilled for the role Mm -hmm. effectively tell their story to the interviewer so that the interviewer sees this person's potential, then yes, tell stories, talk about the emotional journey that you've been through because it's genuine and that's the key. So if you're not genuine, if you're listening to this looking for tactics so you can ace an interview, I'd rather you didn't. I'd rather you just didn't go to the interview and said, you know what, I don't think I'm qualified. But if you think you could be qualified, or if you're suffering from an imposter syndrome and I need to tell you that you are qualified, that's (laughs) that's the other one. You know, if you genuinely have the skills, if you genuinely want to do this and think this is the business for you, then tell an emotional story. You are an emotional being. You have been there when you think, I don't know if I can deal with this. And then you did manage to deal with it. And then you aced it tell that story good i like that that was intense that is where we're going to park it there that is an absolute perfect summary of um and a perfect point to end on so thank you very much for your passion in that regard you are welcome Uh, i was genuinely passionate i I could see that i was getting fearful (laughs) for my life um (laughs) let's call it quits Uh, As always, we are available on many different platforms, YouTube and Spotify and blah, blah, blah. Importantly, have a great day, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.